Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Down here on the beach, the sun is about to rise. It's going to be spectacular. So I've positioned myself in a, in a place where I can actually watch. Uh, it's uh, 5.20 a.m. at the moment. Uh, I'm gonna watch it from beginning to end. It's going to be spectacular today. Beautiful, beautiful red glow starting to surface on the horizon. People are uh, running around. Uh, there's already eight or nine guys surfing uh, in the in what appears to be pitch black. Um, it's pretty amazing, you know. Today, I just wanted to have a quick chat about how to keep your head above uh, water, and uh, meaning not as a swimmer, meaning as a as a as an individual. And most importantly, this topic bleeds into the concept of prevention rather than cure. When somebody gets suffering, I get a client. So suffering is a really, really important part of the balance of order and chaos in your life. If the chaos is severe, you'll suffer. And order, if the order is severe, in other words, bliss, you won't suffer and so we gravitate to the idea that we would love not to suffer and we would love to be in a state of eternal and gorgeous bliss this however is not always going to happen uh, what we what we can find ourselves doing is uh, is uh, resting in a state of uh, pure uh, happiness or pure enjoyment and sort of forgetting that it, there's an, it's, it's an end game that uh, being in an upper or a good place or happy or strong or, or successful uh, has, has, is, is going to have an end date and therefore there's going to be uh, equal challenge, equal chaos at the end of all order we manifest in our lives and so sometimes you find that people have the most emotional experiences of life when they are um, just after they've got married or they have the most emotional experiences in their life just after they've uh, got a new job or just after something good has happened they have the most emotional experiences because they're just living out the other half. Now that other half doesn't have to be lived out. Uh, we don't have to fall into abject poverty because we won the lotto. We don't have to fall into severe depression just because uh, our marriage has lasted six months and the honeymoon's over. We don't have to form, fall into deep uh, regret because we changed jobs and suddenly find the new job is uh, just as taxing as the old one. We, we don't have to do these things, but it is tempting to do it. And I, I've got to say that I don't know too many people who can resist the temptation of uh, enjoying the bliss of an upper and discounting the potential downsides to it. So when we say, how do you keep your head above water? It's not easy because the it's just a fact of life that most people will ride the ride the wave 
the highway and ignore the fact that there's rocks at the end of the, the surf or that there's a injury at the end of running or there's a sadness at the end of all relationship, that there is a frustration bringing up kids. They'll ignore the darker aspects, the chaos, the challenge, and try to resonate purely with the upside. So go easy on yourself. Go easy if you're listening to this uh, right now. Go easy on yourself if you find yourself sort of wishing for, for fantasy, wishing to go to Disneyland and have uppers. It's really funny talking about Disneyland because in one of my workshops I had I think about 40 people do it when I did the three-day retreat I had one program where I had 40 people and, and the, 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 at this point in the workshop uh, when I talk about balance and two sides to everything um, I get a lot of protests you know people say what about the Holy Course there can't be an upside to that and what about uh, uh, global warming there can't be uh, upside to that and what about the destruction of the rainforest and of course they push the envelope out to a place where social conditioning is extreme. And, and I get to sort of project a fairly high level of uh, global consciousness on a group of people who haven't even had the chance to see whether having long toenails has an upside and a downside. So, if, you know, we, we can take the the concept and, and project it out onto some pretty serious and severe topics, um, which I think is a, a very advanced work. But for the time being, let's just talk about marriages and jobs and health and programs like that. And think about the upside, downside, the order and the chaos, and think about our propensity to try to ignore the potential dark side of something that brings us happiness so we say oh I'm going to the theater tonight anyway in this workshop there's a couple and the guy was there and, and he, he had a, I think a, some lung cancer or something and he was there to try and get the mind-body connection of all that was going on and go through the process that I do and get some healing but so and he was a big guy and you know, quite serious and he goes well, I don't believe you're telling the truth. Upside, downside. Last year, my whole family, we went to Disneyland. It's the best fucking holiday we ever had. And I said, oh, okay, okay. And that's your wife sitting next to you. He goes, yeah. And she came with me with the kids. And I go, uh-huh. And so, it was, so your day at Disneyland was absolutely without pain. And he goes, yeah, it was the best day. I went on every ride. I went on everything. I said, so, uh, okay, and there's no downside to that. Nothing, nothing, nothing negative. No, there was nothing negative. So I turned to her and I said, uh, so for you, how was the day? She goes, it was hot, it was sticky, we had to wait in queues, we ate shit food, we went on these stupid rides and blah, 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 and the kids were complaining the whole time. And I said to him, what about what she's saying? And he goes, oh yeah, that's because she's just no fun anymore. I said, oh, okay, so it's easy to judge her for feeling negative about what you feel positive about. Well, yeah, who, who would want to judge Disneyland anyway? You know, it's such a great place to go. And yeah, what sort of uh, people are these? She just doesn't understand how fun it was for me. And I said, okay, 
did you put on weight while you were there? Well, probably, but who gives a fuck? I said, okay. And how do you think the weight that you put on affected your, your, your illness? Oh, I'm not asking you for that. I'm just saying it was a great day. And I said, well, uh, okay. So what about standing in the queue in the sun? How did that affect you, your health? It was, a, it, it was worth it. I said, so there was suffering, but the suffering was worth it. Yeah. And I said, were all the rides exactly what you expected? No, not all of them was exactly what I expected. Some of them were a little bit boring, but the overall day was fantastic. I said, how much did it cost you? $28,000 to go on the plane with the kids to stay in the Disney world and do that. I said, and have you paid that back yet? No. And I said, so there's some financial suffering in being at the thing. Oh, it doesn't matter. It was worth it. And I said, well, I'm not asking whether things are worth it. I'm just asking for you to acknowledge there's order in the chaos. There's suffering and support. There's support and challenge. Firstly, you realize that not everybody, what you repressed, your, your disappointment and your darkness and your, what you repressed, others expressed. So your wife was complaining about what you were repressing. So, in other words, she expressed what you repressed. Yeah, all right, well, yeah, fair enough. Not everybody had a great time. And I said, and then if we go into you, there was two sides to it for you, because you, if, if at, at two things, just really quickly, you've acknowledged. One is that there was uh, uh, some uh, financial uh, costs, which are you still paying back for your fund. So there's a negative financially, but your values are that you want to enjoy yourself at Disneyland. So that was positive. And because you don't value wealth, obviously, uh, very much, you, you think the $28,000 was worth it. Yeah, it's good. So we, we went on on this um, 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 bicycle ride in a way in the, in the workshop in front of everybody, which was pretty brave of the guy. And he, in the end, he started to smile and he goes, yeah, all right. So there's two sides to everything. <laughs> and he, he, he came to realize that he, the things he values really high, he equated as being positive that came out of his trip to Disneyland. But the things he lowered the value of, things he didn't think were very valuable, uh, that were negative, he didn't equate them. So he, he, for him, money wasn't a big, uh, isn't a big deal, even though he's in debt to pay off his $28,000 credit card for his trip. Uh, he didn't really think that's very important, probably because he's got cancer and, you know, um, money might not be as important as it used to be while, you, while you're in that life-threatening situation. So you can see how uh, his, his values determined what was highly valued, he called positive, and as long as that happened, anything was lower valued, he just discounted and said, doesn't matter. But when we went through it, he got it. And I think this is a really beautiful example of how we can be blindsided a little bit to the, to the downside of doing something until it bites us in the ass. So this guy with his $28,000 uh, Disneyland trip, you probably find he hadn't been saving for quite a long time. You probably find he hadn't been focused on his work for quite a long time. And until he runs out of money and the family run out of uh, income to pay the school fees, 
he probably doesn't care about it because he's focused on the good things that are happening and the positives that are happening and kind of like discounting the fact that negatives are going on until they bite him in the ass. And it would be the same as somebody, uh, and I, I know people who are in this mode, somebody who um, is earning money, going to work, having, uh, you know, getting the job they want and doing the work they want, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, not uh, worrying about their health and their mental health and their emotional health. And they're going, oh, I'm going to work today. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to work. I've got to work. I've got to earn money. I'm going to make a million dollars. And all of a sudden they find they've got, uh, you know, uh, foot rot or gangrene or obesity or, or mental, emotional thing. Or one of their kids is not actually in the greatest state of emotional or mental well-being because they've been so focused on what they enjoy and they're getting bliss out of, they've been a little bit blindsided to the, to the corruption or the eruption or the lack of clarity in another area of their life. So we, we do say that holistic thinking is really important, not to try to say each area of life is equal, but we say each area of life is important. We also, we also say that each area of life needs to be balanced in itself. And so we don't ignore the fact that there is a financial cost to an enjoyment. We say, okay, I'm, I've got financial goals and I manage them. They're not as high a priority as my fun goals or my sex goals or whatever it is but they're uh, all my work goals, but th th they need to be managed and balanced. They, they, we don't want to operate out of reactive stress. By the way, this sunrise that I came to watch this morning is absolutely spectacular. I'll take a few photos while we're online and I'll see if I can put one of them as the, as the core picture on this podcast and you can have a great look. So, continuing on with this topic, how do you keep your head above water? Well, I created what's called the back on track process. It's a six step process on a daily basis that if you follow that process, I guarantee you, gold plated guarantee, you'll keep your head above water. What does it mean, the back on track process? Well, it's a process you use when you get off track but it's a process, more importantly, for those of us who are not into causing ourselves pain. It's a process that celebrates how to keep your head above water. And basically it says, if you do these six things on a daily basis and you keep a really strong challenge element in these six simple steps, which takes about 30 minutes a day, the power hour, 30 minutes a day, if you do this on a daily basis, you won't be reacting to downers. You'll be sustaining challenge within the uppers. And so, it, it, for example, if you feel like you're self-talk, if, if you get uh, criticized at work and you feel like you're, you've bought into some diminishing self-talk, it's because you've forgotten to do self-talk every day. Well. If you need to have uh, hurt, a hurt to remind you that to do self-talk, then 
that's going to be pain or it's going to be your head below water in order to do self-talk but if you actually inflict or create a discipline of daily self-talk there is no need for a punch to cause you to remember you need to do daily self-talk daily self-talk is such an important ingredient of success there you will not find in any walk of life a successful individual in sport or whatever it is you will not find a successful individual who does not practice on a daily basis visualization all the all the elements of manifestation which most importantly is a disciplined daily practice of self-talk so if pain is the only mechanism to remind or suffering is the only mechanism to remind you to do your self-talk so be it or you can just do the walkerism and do self-talk regardless without pain so it's a prevent it's like taking covid injections it's prevent it's prevention of covid rather than cure of it it's like taking you know green tea after you've been in uh, done some hard sweaty training and if you drink coffee you're going to acidify yourself after training which is just completely the upside down of the objective of it but if you drink green tea it will alkalize your acid it will help you um, get rid of the acid out of your body and therefore you'll recover faster and be ready for another day's work a training so you know there is logical uh, daily routines that prevent suffering before it happens and then there there are those who wait to suffer in order to uh, engage I'm still taking photos while I talk engage in daily disciplines it's just a stu there's a clumsy way of doing it and there's a not clumsy self-talk talking to yourself reminding yourself of where you're going and why you're worthy of being paid or worthy of winning or worthy of achieving doing that uh, without suffering is how champions work just to introduce once again my partner Lotta into this equation she started with a coach who said you've got to write I am a world champion on a piece of uh, cardboard and stick it beside the bed and you go wake up uh, look at that every morning and look at it every night before you go to sleep and she's so motivated because she'd hired a new coach she'd suffered she'd suffered some losses in some races she was bloody determined not to go there again and boom she's reading these every night before she falls asleep I am a champion I am the world champion I am the world champion it's now six months down the track I have no idea where that piece of paper has fallen or which rubbish tin it was placed in or which cockroach it, it squashed but it is no longer there and she's forgotten it because she's not suffering so you can see that there are her I suppose what, the, what would be the word if she was the world champion she would be doing the reading to keep herself world champion she'd have a lot to lose but when you're trying to be the world champion and you don't have a lot to lose there's a lot of components that you are in reaction to so 
uh, as I'm saying here, that proactive, um, being proactive with all these uh, these disciplines, with the with the power hour, with the back on track process, being proactive with it on a daily basis guarantees you don't have to suffer in order to be smart. Guarantees you you will go where you want to go. It's all tailor-made. It's not like I'm saying there's one uh, shoe fits all uh, lives, but th there is a process. It's a step-by-step -step process and we tailor it to the specific am ambitions and goals that you have, whether those are prioritizing family or wealth or career success or sporting prowess. Sticking to the disciplines of a daily power hour prevents injury, prevents suffering. And that's not a bad way to live. It doesn't mean you don't suffer. It means you introduce the suffering by challenging yourself every single day to do six things for about 30 minutes, which you could possibly say you know, is, is going to give you the shits. It's going to disrupt your happy, out, happy time. It's going to be required discipline. You want to work all day, but oh my God, I've got to do that bloody jog in the middle of the day, or I've got to go to the gym each three times a week. Oh shit, I really don't want to do it. I've got to sit down and stare in the mirror and do my, uh, my um, self-talk, my visualizations. Oh geez, yeah, damn, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather go to a pub. Yeah, well, there's the suffering, self-induced, to prevent the suffering nature-induced. I think it's pretty logical. Anyway, have a beautiful day. This is Chris. Bye for now.